So good to feel the presence of the Lord on a Wednesday night. Amen. I like that verse. It says, bless the Lord, O my soul. Amen. That's not, uh, that's not God blessing our soul, but it's our soul blessing God. Amen. So sometimes we come to church and we need a blessing. We want a blessing. That's all right. But we should first start blessing him. Blessing the blesser. Amen. God is so good. You can be seated tonight. Just wanted to thank everybody who has committed to morning prayer. I've had several, several people already say that they've enjoyed it, that it's been a blessing to them. I know it is a sacrifice to pull the kids out of bed and to be here uh, maybe earlier than you're used to getting out, but I believe that if you'll make that commitment and, and be willing to sacrifice that time, that you'll be blessed. Amen? So thank you for those who have made that commitment. I'm just excited for what God's going to do in 2023. Amen? I did want to, one announcement I did have is there are some calendars in the back um, with some of the events. We just basically printed out a church calendar, and there's a, um, another event schedule, so you're welcome to grab those um, hang them on your fridge, what have you. Um, we will keep Facebook updated for events, and also our website has the calendar on it. And also, if anybody would like their Google calendar just synced up with the sanctuary events, we can also send you an email so you can have that right on your Google calendar. We want to keep everybody posted with the stuff that's coming up in the church calendar. Amen? So tonight is going to be a little more of a serious service. So I thought I would start it out with a little bit of housekeeping. Can I get a drum roll? All right, we got a drum roll. This whole pastoring thing sometimes, you got to do things you don't really like to do. Um, but it has been brought to my attention um, by my own observation and also the observation of some other people that we, um, as parents... We need to maybe get our children um, under control. And uh, I'm speaking to parents while I'm talking to myself as well. Because I have a little two-year-old who is also a tornado. So there's just a lot of... I mean, we're a, we're a family, and the, we don't have bad children. None of our children are bad. They're full of energy. They like to play, they like to hang out with their friends. They, I understand all that. Um, but this is still a church. Amen? So I would ask that parents, including me, I'm going to make this commitment that we would know where our children are at. There should be no running anywhere in this building. Okay? Sanctuary, vestibule, boys... No more downstairs, okay? That's not a jungle gym. You guys stay up here with your parents. Um, during the summertime, if we need to go outside and run around, that's fine. With your parents' permission. But let's just, let's just try to do just a little better of a job, um, keeping track of our children. This is a church. I, I guess we're kind of all used to it. I'm kind of just sort of numb to all these kids and, and the screams and cries of kids sound like revival to me. Amen? We, I love our children. But let's just keep them a little better under control. And also, I know there's a lot of candy being passed out. And that's completely fine. But the candy is going to be meant for eating at home. Okay? So children, if you guys get candy and you can't contain yourself, maybe just give it to your parents until you get home. We don't want... There's just been a lot of candy wrappers and, and crunch chocolate in the carpet and and all these sort of things, and we just want to take care of the house of God. Is that okay? All right. No one's walked out yet. I, we locked the doors. Amen. God is so good. Amen. Tonight, if we could turn to Luke chapter 22, and we'll stand for the reading of the word. Luke chapter 22. Luke 22 and verse 19. We're going to read verses 19 and 20. 
It says, and he took bread and gave thanks and break it and gave unto them saying, this is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. Likewise, also the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new Testament in my blood, which is shed for you. So tonight, with the help of the Lord, I'm going to teach a message, preach a message titled, He Will Always Be a Lamb. He Will Always Be a Lamb. And we are here tonight to prepare our hearts um, to receive the Lord's table, to receive communion. So we're going to talk a little bit about this tonight. But He Will Always Be a Lamb. I do make a disclaimer that Brother Chuppy today um, sent me his foot washing and communion folder. And I began to go through some of this stuff. So this is a message that was pe- preached by Brother Chuppy like five years ago, which was preached by somebody else before that. So we got a couple of revisions happening here. Okay, but if it was good enough to preach before, it's going to be good enough to preach again tonight. Amen? So he will always be a lamb. You can be seated in Jesus' name. So I'd like to ask everybody a question. When your life is over and your time and ministry here on earth is finished, what would your last request be? And how would you like to be remembered? And sometimes we think about these things maybe at a funeral you start to think about the particular person that passed away and what they're remembered by, and you begin to think what you would like to be remembered by. And we, we want to be remembered by good things. Amen? And Jesus was very specific in what he asked to be remembered by. But I, hear, I heard about a, a man one time who was living out his last hours, and he convinced his wife to promise him that she would bury him with all of his money and that he would be remembered by this request. So at the funeral, after he had passed away, just before the directors closed the casket, his wife slipped a large envelope in the casket beside her husband. And this lady's best friend, whom she had confided in about her husband's request, I pulled her aside and said, you didn't really do it, did you? And she said, relax, I wrote him a check. All right, that might be the only laughter left in this message. But Jesus specifically asked to be remembered. He was not embarrassed, ashamed, or too humble to ask his followers to remember him after he was gone. He wanted to be remembered, not only for his sake, but also for our sakes. And there are many actions and and words of Jesus' life and ministry that he could have requested that the disciples would remember him for. Um, He could have asked them to remember him for his amazing, miraculous birth. He could have asked them to remember him by the great miracles that he did or the healings that he performed or the great sermons that he preached. Maybe he could have asked them to remember remember me by the Sermon on the Mount, that great sermon I preached or the incomparable teaching ability that he had or maybe how humble he lived in comparison to who he actually was. But that's not what he asked the disciples to remember him by. He simply said, remember my broken body and my shed blood. That's how I want you to remember me. Of all the wonderful actions and and attributes of of Jesus' three and a half year ministry, Why was this the only thing about his life that he specifically asked his disciples to remember? Well, the answer is pretty simple. He did not want us to forget that he died for us. 
He wanted us to remember that in the prime of his life, he gave it all up for us. Most men who are 33 years old or so are ready to take life on by the horns. They're ready to to do something. They're ready to pursue their dreams and and their aspirations that they've had. But when Jesus hit his prime at 33 years old, he gave it all up for you and for me. But Jesus was was faced with a difficult problem when it came to the redemption of the world. The problem was how could he love the sinner and punish the sin at the same time? How could he love the sinner and punish the sin at the same time? The cross was the answer to this question. On the cross, God expressed his intolerance for sin while at the same time revealing his great love for us. Calvary. If you remember anything tonight, remember this, that Calvary was the vessel where God mixed law and love. Okay, he mixed law and love, and out came justice and mercy. Calvary was the vessel that mixed law and love. And when law and love were mixed, justice and mercy were produced. Just like in the garden, in the very beginning, God said, if you eat of the tree, ye shall surely die. So the law of God, the word of God, mixed with his love, and out came mercy. Out came justice, and it came through a lamb that was slaughtered and replaced the fig leaves, right? That lamb covered them because they were supposed to die. The law of God said, ye shall surely die. But that law mixed with his great love, and out came mercy, and it came through an innocent lamb that was slaughtered. We understand that the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. And that gift of God comes through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And understand that Jehovah is a God of justice. And he, if he allowed sin to go unpunished, he would become a lawless God. And a lawless God is not a God at all. But if he only punished sin in the life of a sinner, he could not reveal his true nature of love. And the cross was the answer. Calvary was no afterthought for God. We've talked about this. We know this. Uh, Revelation 13.8 says that Jesus Christ was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. God was not caught off guard at man's transgressions and sin in the Garden of Eden. He wasn't surprised. There was a lamb in the mind of God long before there was a Garden of Eden. Or before there was dry land before there were any animals created, before there was a sun, moon, and stars, there was a lamb in the mind of God. God's desire to redeem preceded and presided over even his desire to create. It was his first desire was to redeem. It was in his blood, literally. It's what our God is all about, Amen. He's all about redemption. And before the foundation of the world was ever laid, before there ever was a sin, before there ever was even a sinner, 
there was a lamb. And I'm not referring to an eternal son. But I'm referring to a plan of redemption in the mind of God. And that was of a lamb. Amen? On the Day of Atonement, we read in the, Old, in the Old Testament, the high priest would gather all the people near the tabernacle and he would transfer the sins of the people upon a lamb. And the priest would, the high priest would examine the lamb. He would look over the lamb. He would look to make sure that lamb was perfect and without blemish, that one leg wasn't longer than the other, that there were no hidden cuts or bruises. And the priest would examine the lamb, but he would never examine the sinner. He wasn't too concerned about the magnitude of the sins that had been committed, because he knew that if the lamb was perfect, that no matter what the sin was, the perfect lamb could take care of it. The priest paid attention to the lamb, not the sinner. Oftentimes, when we get our attention on someone else's problems, it's because our eyes are off the lamb. And this priest would then sever the, the jugular vein of the innocent lamb and he would catch all the blood in a bowl and then he would enter into the holy of holies and the veil separated him from the people who waited outside to see if the sacrifice would be accepted and after hours of ministering before the Lord and sprinkling the blood of the lamb on the mercy seat and the Shekinah glory of God would descend in the holy of holies the high priest would then come outside to, anxiously, to the anxiously awaiting crowd, and he would raise his hands in the air, and he would cry with a loud voice the words that the people wanted to hear, and that was, it is finished. Those Jews knew very well what these words meant. They knew that the prescription of atonement had been fulfilled. They then knew that the innocent had died for the guilty, that the perfect lamb had done it again, that the penalty of their sins had been stopped, and they were once again at one with a holy God. This is literally where the word atone comes from. Atonement means at one with God. And that was only possible through an innocent lamb. So today we're here at the Lord's table, if you will. And we have not come here to examine or scrutinize or criticize or condemn anybody else here. We have come to this table to bind together, to love one another, and to be at one with our Lord and with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen. I want to be at one with him. And that only is made possible through the atonement of the blood of Christ. We read through scriptures and the reason that the angels appeared to shepherds on the, on the hills of Bethlehem announcing the birth of the Lamb of God was because those shepherds had been preparing lambs for a sacrificial slaughter. But that night when the angel said, Be not afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. He was letting them know that the Lamb of God, with a capital L, had indeed been born and that their little L lambs were off the hook. We continue reading through Scripture, and one day as 
John the Baptist was preaching to the crowds at the Jordan. Jesus appeared in the midst, and the prophet stopped in the middle of his sermon on repentance, and turning to Jesus and pointing to him, gesturing with his hand, he cried out, Behold, the Lamb of God who taketh away the sin of the world. John 1.29, it's my, one of my favorite scriptures. John the Baptist pointed out, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. John did not introduce him as the Lion of the tribe of Judah. He didn't introduce him as Wonderful Counselor, or even as the Mighty God or the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, but John prepared the way of the Messiah by introducing him as his, in his, um, his most important role. Because he came to do what no other could do. And understand that John, he was the son of a priest. And he was qualified to examine this lamb. John the Baptist was a son of Zechariah. He was qualified to examine the Lamb. And he was saying, he was preaching a message saying, I have examined this Lamb, and I have found no mark, no blemish, and no imperfection. There's no disqualification in this Lamb. So he was preaching, bring your sin. Bring your imperfection. Bring your disqualifications. We don't need to interrogate you because we have examined the lamb. And this lamb will take care of it no matter what it is. This lamb can complete the job. And everyone on the riverbank that day understood that sort of language. They had seen their own lambs sacrificed for generations. As we read through Scripture, Exodus 2 and 3 says, Every man was to take for himself a lamb. Exodus 12, 4, Every man was to give account for the need of the lamb. Exodus 12 and 5, Moses said it was your lamb. But John informed them that day that this was not a lamb, or the lamb, or your lamb, or even their lamb. But this was the only lamb who could do what he was about to do. He was the only lamb who could do what he was about to do. This lamb was in a class all by himself. This lamb was in a league of his own. This lamb was the lamb of God. And he came to take away the sin of the world. This lamb was taking sacrifice to a whole new level, a whole new dimension. We read of a progression through Scripture. In Abel's day, it was one lamb for one man. In Egypt, it was one lamb for one family. In the wilderness, it was one lamb for one nation. But this lamb was pure enough. It was big enough He was redemptive enough to be a lamb for the sin of the whole entire world. (laughs) Aren't you thankful today for the Lamb of God? Amen. He he was not only our high priest, he was not only the high priest, but he was also the sacrificial lamb. And he went to the brazen altar called the cross. And he offered his sinless, precious blood. So today we've come to this table not to examine one another, but we've come to examine the Lamb. And when we begin to examine the Lamb, we will find out that He is perfect. We will find Him to be be without blemish. There won't be any mark on this lamb, and whatever sin we bring to the table, the lamb can take care of it, no matter what it is. And we read through, 
We read through the Gospels and we read of the death and the burial of Jesus. And, and the struggle that he went through was, was real. It was very real. The Lamb of God experienced great struggle dying of a Roman crucifixion. And history tells us this was a terrible way to die. It was one of the worst ways to die. And there was a struggle dying that sort of death. But he didn't just experience the pain of a Roman crucifixion, but he also experienced the pain of the sin of all of mankind. And with groaning, the lamb cried out, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Why did this carpenter's son, this Jesus of Nazareth, shun the cup? Why would he say, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me? It was because he was sinless and he was holy. And this cup that he was about to drink was full of every nasty sin of the whole entire world. Every sin that had ever been committed or would be committed was in this cup. I want you guys to just really think about this tonight. Every person in this place has sinned. Some of us have made worse mistakes than others. It doesn't matter. We're all sinners. But we all know the consequences and the feeling of going forward with sin and that guilt that we feel. Sometimes that shame that we feel. Jesus drank from a cup where he felt all of that at one time. The sin of the whole entire world. He tasted all at the same time. Your sin was in that cup. My sin was in that cup. Every lie was in that cup. Every dishonest act was in that cup. Every cold-blooded murder was in that cup. Every glance or gaze at pornography was in that cup. Every act of fornication was in that cup. Every curse word, every act of molestation was in that cup. Every act of addiction, every fantasize or act of adultery, every proud look, every word that would sow discord amongst the brethren was in that cup. Every hand that was quick to shed innocent blood, it was all in that cup. And Jesus drank from that cup and he took on the sin of mankind. He who knew no sin became sin for us. It's an amazing story. I hope you guys are really getting this tonight. Really understanding what Jesus did for us. Last week I, I, I read this verse in Hebrews chapter 4 and 15. It says, For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched. I'm not sure why this is written in a double negative. But basically it's saying is we have a high priest that can be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. We have a high priest who was touched with the feeling of our infirmity and was in all points. You see, it's easy for me to understand that Jesus was also tempted 
of the sin and the struggles that I have. And it's harder for me to understand other people's struggles. And we, we have a world that is full of very deep, dark sin. Sin that it, and it seems like it's becoming more open than ever. But Jesus was tempted in all points. Jesus was tempted of the, the deepest, darkest sin that we would never dream of doing. Jesus drank from that cup. And he was tempted in all points. That's amazing. That's amazing that we serve a God who would do that for us. And the Lamb of God, he has asked us to remember his broken body and his blood that he shed for us. And he has invited us to his table and he has offered us bread and wine. There are various occasions in the Old Testament when kings would invite certain guests to eat their bread and drink their wine. And we understand that access to the showbread in the tabernacle exclusively belonged to the priest and no one else. We understand that today we are now kings and priests through the royal priesthood. And we read culturally that giving bread to somebody was clearly a way to show respect, acceptance, and approval. And at times was intended to convey even intimacy. But he said, take, eat. This is my body which was broken for you. And drink this cup which is the New Testament of my blood which was shed for you. It's interesting that Paul, in 1 Corinthians 11 and 23, he did not say that our Lord was betrayed the same night in which he washed the disciples' feet. He didn't say that. He didn't say that the Lord was betrayed the same night as he prayed his priestly prayer. He didn't say that the Lord was betrayed the same night in which they sang a hymn. Paul said that the same night in which he was betrayed, they took bread. And Paul was drawing our attention to the greatest possible contrast of that night. That night he was betrayed. And he spread out a table of forgiveness and cleansing the same night that he was going to be betrayed, the very hour of malice and greed and hatred, as it closed in, he offered forgiveness and cleansing. He offered his bread to his friends. So when Paul, the Apostle Paul recalls this night, he is amazed at the love that was showed to the, even to the one who is going to be his betrayer in whom Jesus called friend. What an awesome God. What an amazing God. So taking communion is a, it's a serious thing. And it's something that we need to take not just nonchalantly. We read of that night and, and we read of Judas who was at the table and he had an evil purpose and a motive in his heart and he had unrepented sin which he was intending to continue to live in. And it would have been better for Judas not to come at all, really. And Paul said to the church in Corinth who failed to discern the Lord's body that they were in spiritual and physical harm. We read in 1 Corinthians 
chapter 11 and verse 27. He says, Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. He says, But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. For if we judge ourselves, we should not be judged. So Paul was, he was correcting the Corinthian church in this particular um, passage of Scripture because they had, they had taken things, uh, they had done things out of hand. They were literally getting together and using communion as a way of eating. And they were getting, they were getting drunk. And Paul was correcting them. But he said, we, we are not to do this unworthily. And I just want to, to note that unworthily um, used in, in, in this scripture isn't referring to us being unworthy. Okay? If you pull verse 27 back, at, back up, Sister Kim, it doesn't say unworthy. It says unworthily. And we understand that we are all unworthy. That we've all fallen short of the glory of God. None of us deserve this gift from God. We're all unworthy of salvation. Amen. I, I, we didn't deserve this. And this is why it's so easy for us to remain thankful. Because we received something that we did not do anything for. We didn't deserve this. I didn't deserve this life. I didn't deserve the Holy Ghost. I didn't deserve Jesus going to a cross for us. And I, I come to this place, and I don't feel like I'm entitled to anything. Because I didn't deserve, I don't even deserve to be here. That's really how I feel. But I'm willing to accept that great gift that God gave me. Amen. I'm willing to, I'd rather be, the Bible, you know, David talks about being a doorkeeper in the house of God. It's like, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God than out there in the tents of the wicked. Amen. So church, just continue to be thankful. And if you ever get disgruntled, I'm just, this is a side note. If you ever get disgruntled, because maybe you thought you should do something or been asked to do whatever, maybe that's entitlement. And there's no place for entitlement in the kingdom. There's no place for it. Because if you really begin to think about it, every time I show up here, I'm just glad to be here. I'm glad they let me in. Amen. I'm, I'm glad that, to, that God died for me. I don't even deserve this. And I was guilty of the crime. And I was supposed to serve a life sentence of death. That's what I deserved. But we, so unworthy is a condition. But unworthily is a manner of doing something. Okay? It's, a, it's a, a manner of doing something in an unworthy fashion. And it has to do with how we do it. In what spirit do we do it? In what attitude? And in what manner do we do it? So today when we take communion, we need to do it with the right attitude for the right reason, understanding it completely. So it's so important that we do this with a right heart and a right mind and in the right manner. But none of us are worthy. So in this room today, we, we do have the power within our grasp to release a curse or we have the power to release a blessing upon the body of Christ. And we, we continue reading about the church of Corinth and because of their improper motives and, and their, their attitudes and their behaviors, they were struggling with unfortunate consequences of, of spiritual weakness and unnecessary sickness and even death. So it is a serious thing. 
that we do this with the right manner. But today we come and I'm thankful that I can say that if we confess our sins, that he is faithful and just to forgive our sins. Amen. And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Because, why can we say this? Because he is still the lamb. And he will always be the lamb. He will always be the lamb. Revelation chapter 8 says, And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and four and twenty elders fell down before the lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. And I'm, I'm thankful that the prayers of the saints are, are all stored. I don't even know who I was talking to the other day. They, they were talking about the, the vial that's full of the prayers of saints. Every prayer that you pray, it does not hit the ground. Amen. If it wasn't answered when you were alive, it'll be answered after you're dead. Because there's a vial in heaven holding the prayers of the saints. So if you're praying for something that ain't happening, you can have faith that there's a vial in heaven holding your prayers for the right time. Amen. It says in verse 9, they sung a new song saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. Thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by the blood of out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation, and has made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. And I, be, I beheld and heard the voice of many angels round about the throne, and the beasts and the elders, and the number of them was ten thousand times ten thousand and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb. Amen. You know, they, they ask us, why do we get loud in church? It's because they get loud in heaven. Saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such are, as are in the sea and all that are in them heard I saying, blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. He will always be the Lamb. After the carnage of Revelation, when all the dust of the book of Revelation is settled, however you want to interpret the book, after it's all done, and even after the last soul has been saved, he will still be the Lamb. Amen? Aren't you thankful for the Lamb of God? Amen? Who came to take away the sin of all the world. Amen? I wonder if we could just stand here tonight. I'm going to ask everybody tonight who is going to take communion to come forward. And I would say if you, if you don't understand this completely, um, you don't, I would ask you not to take communion. I mean, that's not a bad thing. Um, if, you, if, you're, if you just don't understand completely what's going on, I'd ask you not to do it. And I've also asked all the parents to just use your own discretion with your children. Um, we want our children to completely understand what is going on. because we, we want them to do it for the right reason, not just because their friend's doing it. Okay, so all who are planning on taking communion, if you could come to the front tonight. If we could just kind of group up together. And we're going to have a time of prayer. Uh, we're going to have a time of reflection on our own lives. We're not praying with each other tonight. This is between you and God. And I would just ask tonight, and if uh, the musicians would come, they're just going to play a little song. We're going to just take some time. And we're going to just talk to God individually. And we're going to reflect on our lives. And if we need to repent of something, now is the time. And if you have something that isn't right in your heart, um, you can make it right with the Lamb right now. Okay? I don't want anybody not taking communion tonight because you don't think that God can forgive you. Okay?
But if you come tonight and you just make things right, he'll forgive you. If you have some sin that's been plaguing you for some time, if you will lay it down at the altar today with a purpose in your heart that you will never touch that unclean thing again. We're going to do that tonight. We're going to talk to God about these things. We're going to ask God to forgive us of any pride, of any ego, any wrong motive in our lives, anything we've ever done for vain glory. We're going to ask God to forgive us. And as the Lord told us Sunday, we're going to just lay down some idols. If there's some idols that have been built up in your life, there's some things that you've put um, of more importance than God, we're just going to tear down these idols. We're just going to take them down off the shelf in front of us and we're going to throw them behind us. They're going to be washed away in the blood of Christ. Okay? Our God is faithful. Okay? We serve a God who, this verse, every time I say this verse, I just have to think about it again. We serve a God who delights in mercy. He cannot, if you have something in your heart tonight that's not right, He cannot wait to forgive you. (laughs) He delights in forgiving you. Okay? He's faithful. He's just to forgive our sins. If you have something in your life, he wants to wash it away and make you whiter than snow. And he's able to do that because he's still the lamb. And there's still power in that precious blood. So I wonder if every eye closed tonight, if we could just pray, just just raise our hand. Let's just begin to talk to Jesus about anything that we have in our lives. Let's just make sure that we are in alignment with him. Jesus, we love you tonight. God, we thank you, Lord, for this time, God, that we have with you, God, in, in it with the people of God tonight. God, I pray, Lord, that you would touch us in a mighty way. God, we lay every sin God, at the altar, anything that's been weighing us down, God, anything that's been holding us up, God, I pray that you would forgive me of my sin, God, any evil thing, God, that I've ever said, any evil thing that I've ever done or looked at, God, I pray that you would forgive me, oh God, that you would cleanse my heart, create in me a clean heart, oh God, renew a right spirit within me, oh God. Cast me not away from thy presence, O God. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Hallelujah. Can we pray together in the name of Jesus? precious blood. Oh God, thank you, Lord, for your forgiveness. Lord, we thank you, God, for your mercy that's so great today. Hallelujah, your great love. Hallelujah, can we begin to thank him across this place. Hallelujah, that we serve a God that's faithful and just to forgive us. Hallelujah, we serve a God who delights in mercy today. Hallelujah, we serve a God who shed his blood for us. Jesus, we thank you. Jesus, we magnify you. Would you connect with him for a little bit tonight? Lord, I love you. Oh, Lord, I thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. 
Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. At this time, if I could ask those that have asked to grab the, the bread and the, and the drink. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. They're going to pass this out. And as I read through uh, some scripture, we're going to do this together. And again, parents, if you would use your own discretion tonight, let's just, let's just continue to pray as they, as they grab this. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. God, we thank you for this time tonight. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. God, you are so good.
Is there anybody that doesn't have what they need? Everybody good? All right, so we're going to read together. I'll read 1 Corinthians 11 and 23 through 26. It says, For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And we had given thanks, he brake it, and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. So please partake of the bread. And in verse 25 says, After the same manner also he took the cup, and when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. So please partake of the drink. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death until he come. So church, we do this in reverent remembrance of what God did for us on a cross. Amen. We look back and we thank him for it. But we also, because of that, we can look forward to his coming. And because our past has been erased, because what he did for us on a cross, we can look forward with hope in our hearts to the second coming of Jesus Christ. Amen. So I wonder today if we could just take some time at the altar and we could just reflect for all that he's done for us and we could truly just remember the broken body and the bloodshed of the Lamb of God. It was for you and it was for me. Amen. Let's just pray together. Jesus, we love you. God, we thank you, Lord. God, we thank you, Lord, for what you did for us. God, on Calvary. Hallelujah, God, that your law met with your love. God, we thank you, Lord, for all that you've done. God, for that blood that was shed. God, we reflect on, God, what you've erased. But today, God, we look forward and hope. God, that someday, God, we would see you face to face. In the name of Jesus, Lord, let's worship him, church. Yes, God. I was broken. I took your shame. In hope that you would someday take my name.
with